I'm Mary Margaret Cowie from Land and Lakes Recycling. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO. Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will. Good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Clean beaches and sparkling sand. He won't make her double dig in her garden if she doesn't make him try broccoli aromatherapy. Here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. High forests, no wetlands, well, good planets are in the main. I was just thinking I, 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 I could wave the, the music down like I did yesterday when I was in control of it, and Brandon was looking at me and thinking, hey, hey, Nimrod, uh, you've got control of the music, so bring it down yourself. Yeah, he was like, yeah, whatever. But that's okay, because he's a patient guy. He's a really, you know, that's, Brandon, and, and, and I'm gonna, let's give the man a ding. Uh, because he's doing a great job. He's only been doing this uh, for a few weeks, and um, uh, we're very pleased here and happy to have you on board. Um, and uh, you get to put up with all the things I forget that I, you know, I'm like a guppy. <laughs> uh, I go from one end of the fishbowl, and I forget that I was at the other end of the fishbowl by the time I go to the other side of the fishbowl. Huh? Right, exactly. So I can turn on the music and 10 seconds later forget that I turned the music or on. Or that the music's on. Or that it, well, no, I can hear it in my headsets. <laughs> and so I just keep waving like, Brandon, why aren't you turning down the music? Uh, are we live, by the way, on we Facebook? We are live on Facebook. Oh, so I'm flapping my arms for <laughs> yes. Facebook. Okay. With three people watching already. Uh, okay. And we've got four. <laughs> the flapping. If, oh, and now two. Ah, uh, that's how it goes. As people tune in and go, oh, I didn't want to watch that. Turn that off. Uh, so we have a Brandon sighting in the building. We have an Ariana sighting. Uh, Welcome she, back. Uh, who? She's missing four teeth, but she's back. I am. Yeah. Those well, would be wisdom teeth. It's not because she did what I did in high school playing <laughs> hockey and fell on my face. But not no, not that. This is actually was planned. It was planned. Yeah. So they, they uh, yanked those puppies out and... And you're and you're and you're like six pounds lighter, right? Because yeah, and and a little less wise, but that's okay. <laughs> did, why did some of your brains leak out at the same I time? I mean, they took my wisdom teeth, and you know, who oh, knew losing oh, wisdom would have been right. so painful? Okay, thank you. But I'm bump. Ha 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 ha. In fact, you know, you're the intern. <laughs> no, it's just, if you know, that's true. Are they are they are they not supposed to do jokes? Um, I don't know, but Jennifer Darlin loves being able to see our silliness, she says. Jennifer! And who who, uh, who uh, went on uh, Ron Cogill's show the other day to talk about recycling. Now you need to come back on our show. We'd really like that. I think that would be very cool. Uh, and by the way, uh, what I was looking for here, because uh, we did the, we had a uh, Ariana joke. If we do that, we play, all right, 
it needs just needs to be a little <laughs> a little louder there. That's what we there want. There we okay. perfect. That's okay. why. Uh... I'm just I'm just playing with the see with all the toys here this morning. Hey, uh, this is one of those shows. Good morning, and and I, and and again, once again, I'm I'm highly distractible, as you know. Uh, I had a review of my show in uh, a major gardening magazine about five six years ago. That was their description of me. <laughs> highly, highly distractible, and it's absolutely true. I'm. I'm Sounds like a variation of a Warren Zevon song. It, it could be. You know what? Maybe I should write that song. Uh, That's and, your next column. And, and make us uh, highly distractible. Would you write that down, highly please? Highly distractible Cause, gardener. Because I have. I'm on deadline for yet another column, so I need to do that. Uh, and they tell you in radio, you better get right to your subject. And of course, I never do that. And then by the time the first break is over, I haven't covered anything. Um, that's because I'm highly distractible, what? but I just want to say that, uh, the show today, it's one of those shows that like 24 hours ago, we had nothing and now we have except everything for Lisa. except for Lisa, uh, who's wonderful. And she slept in all the way from Grand Rapids, Michigan to be here on the show via, uh, Andersonville. Uh, but, uh, it's suddenly, it's one of those shows where everything sort of kind of comes together and it's really cool. So Lisa Rose is here. She's an herbalist, forager, urban farmer, writer. She's got a new book out called Midwest Medicinal Plants. And we're going to find out what you grow in your backyard that you, that you curse most of the time that you can turn into medicine. How cool is that? Um, especially if you want to get rid of that stuff. Uh, so, uh, she will be here uh, to start the program uh, we'll be talking t- now. You're going to have to help me with the pronunciation. Celeste Pepitone Nia Nia. Really? Is that how you pronounce that? It's N A H A S. Well, Nia or Nea. I'm not sure from she's she spelled it phonetically, but okay. it could, it's probably Nea. You know, if you're running a campaign like she is, you have to have a pronunciation guide because then the radio people won't know what they're doing. Because I don't know what I'm doing anyway. Uh, and uh, she's a field organizer for uh, a group called Mighty Earth. And they want to reduce nutrient runoff to our lakes and streams and ultimately the Gulf of Mexico because we had the largest dead zone on record. There we go. That Let's gets hear it for the dead zone. For in 2017. And one of the reasons it's happening is because the stuff we put in our fields, agriculture, mm-hmm. and lawns, folks, fertilizer, it's uh, nitrogen and phosphorus. So she'll be on to talk about that. that. Uh Doug Terran from the Peggy Nodbart Nature Museum is here. We have a monarch update. The monarchs, we hear, are doing a little better. So that and more on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Stick around. We'll be right back. The Scarce Green Fair is back, and the Mike Novak Show is part of it. We'll be broadcasting from the DuPage County Fairgrounds on Saturday, September 30th at 10 a.m. This year, the Green Fair features a free recycling extravaganza. Eco-lifestyle workshops, goats and chickens, beekeeping demos, STEM activities for kids, a farmer's market, food vendors, and more. Mike and I love Scarce, so come out be part of the fun. Go to Scarce.org for details, and we'll see you there. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. 
The Green Living Expo returns to McHenry County College on Saturday, November 4th, and this 10th anniversary celebration is going to be pretty special. For starters, there will be two fully decorated and locally owned tiny homes on display, the award-winning traveling exhibit Sustainable Choices, and area college and university solar and super mileage team race cars. Visit the Living Lightly Tent, where innovators share their energy savings inventions with you. Of course, more than 70 green exhibits and vendors of all kinds, including invited artists who will be displaying and selling their sustainable creations. Did I mention the Green Living Expo is free and open to the public? And Peggy and I will be there. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash green expo or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765. This is your talk. We're going to be here for a long time. Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. back to the Mike Novak show full of knowledge well if if I know so much how come I ain't rich (laughs) some of the Uh, wealthiest people are the ones with the least amount of money Mike oh can I write that down yeah that's yours you can use that here they are Mike Novak and Peggy Malecki and that of course is our buddy uh, Joey Baird from uh, the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener and uh, Joey and Holly do their show every week up in Milwaukee at 15-something. I don't remember the exact, I but uh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you and what, online. Ariana, instead of laughing at me, you look it up right now, Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener, and you can jump in and tell us uh, what uh, what their frequency is, Kenneth, and uh, and nobody remembers that reference either. No, anybody? What's the frequency, Kenneth? All right, there's people in the room who remember okay. that. This was a Dan Rather thing where he got accosted on the streets of New York and and mugged by some guy. I think he got punched or accosted by some guy. And this is 20 years ago. And the guy said, this is while he was still on the air on CBS. And the guy said, what's the frequency, Kenneth? And nobody to this day understands what that was all about. It was a very strange situation, but so that's that's where that comes from. A little bit of trivia there, which we will use Alan? in a in a Alan 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 Alan. Oh, I don't have that here. I'll have to. I got to see now. We that's, need that for later. I got to add that in there. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we're very very pleased to have uh, Lisa M. Rose in the studio. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. Uh, she came bringing bearing books, her own books, which is always a good thing if you write them yourself. Uh, one would hope. And uh, the latest one is uh, the Midwest uh, Midwest Medicinal Plants. She is also the author of Midwest Foraging. That was a couple of years back. Um, and uh, we hope to give away one of those books mm-hmm. today on the show. Uh, I think we will. Uh, and by the way, if you haven't received, if you if you won one recently on the show and you haven't received it, don't worry, it's coming out real soon. Michael, Michael, get it to you <laughs> eventually when when he gets around to it. Um, uh, this is a book about plants, all kinds of different plants that folks see all the time and they don't realize really how beneficial they are, do they? Yeah. Well, you know, I grew up in the West Michigan Great Lakes area, so right down the lake from the down the street from the big lake. And, and, and now, you're in Grand Rapids, right? Grand Rapids. Is that currently. where you grew up? 
Uh, actually, we're from Flint originally, mm-hmm. so Rust oh. Belt, Rust Belt people. I'm uh, um, suburbs of Detroit, so there, there you, you go. go. Yeah. yeah, and even you know, being in Chicago, it does feel like home, where you have this confluence of nature and, mm-hmm. and built environment. Um, but I did have the luck of growing up, uh, you know, around the Big Lake, and I think you know people don't realize how beautiful our natural world is here in in the area, and so everything from the acorns to the ditch weeds, the nettles, the sassafras, all the things, even the plantain and the creeping Charlie that might be in your yard. That's what I was surprised at. I, I kind of zeroed in on the plants that are nuisances to most people who have yards, and they look at them and they say, how do I kill it? You know, and that's mm-hmm. that's a if you do a gardening show, and I have done a, a, a quasi-gardening show now for 20 years, and I say quasi because we venture out into all kinds of different areas. You go do a garden talk, and one of the first questions is, how do I kill it? How do I kill them? How do I kill it? And <laughs> how do I get those violets out of my lawn? And, and, yep. I, and yep. I just want to get that mentality out of people's heads because that's the same question they ask about insects. Yep. It's pretty much everything. How do I kill it? When did we become such a murdering species? This is what we do best is kill things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we were looking... Last night, uh, or Peggy sent me information about uh, they're going to be spraying in uh, Texas uh, for mosquitoes. Now, mosquitoes, of course, are the number one killer on the planet. They kill more people than any other animal um, worldwide. Still, we, you know, we got these chemicals. We're going to spray them out there. Mm-hmm. But the problem is there's going to be collateral damage yep. with that. We're going we're gonna to get our pollinators killed down there. Who knows what kind of harm that's going to do to human beings as they spray all that stuff. Yep. The chemical they're using is controversial. Uh, and this is what we do best. So you're kind of the opposite. You're the, you're the yang to the yin on this, I guess. Uh, well, and I attributed a lot to growing up as the daughter of, of an engineer. While he wasn't a plant person per, per se, mm-hmm. he was a woodworker, um, metallurgist. He had, a, you know, also a systems perspective on things. And he would say, Lise, the natural environment has its perfect systems. There's no way you can possibly engineer a better orchestration of all the things. Mm-hmm. Every action has a reaction. The weather will correct imbalances. The species will figure each other out. You know, of course, you can get into all the sciences and how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think getting people to recognize the roles of the beneficials, the roles of the weeds, the roles of the docks in the city. They're remediating soil. They're pulling out lead, right? And so Dandelions how we... are supplying calcium to your soil. I mean, pl- weeds uh, are messengers. They're, they're usually telling you something about your soil Absolutely. and the conditions around there because that's how they thrive is because there are certain conditions and you can learn from those plants. Yeah. And I think using that power of observation, even if like a lay person might not be a botanist or mm-hmm. have a strong background, even as a gardener, these things are observable. Mm-hmm. And there's value in teaching those obser- you know, those, those, those the, 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 the talent of observation. You know, as gardeners, we pay attention to all the, the small details of climate, the shifts in the sunlight, the shifts, you know, in the, in the moisture in the air, how, when we harvest salad, when we might harvest roses or any other aromatic plants. And again, you know, when I wrote these books to take that approach for a lay person to say as a mom, oh, this is, a, this is, I can, I can understand this. It's not, it's accessible information. It's mm-hmm. not, it's comes from a place of um, getting people excited too and fun yeah. and delight and joy. Mm-hmm. 
So that's, you know, it, even when I find people, you know, if I'm in the city in Grand Rapids or picking, you know, even gathering the Soledago here up the street, there's just, there's Did a you, connection. you got this up the street? Yeah, we went, that's where we were futzing around. We were out. Over by the trailer? Over by the trailer. She walks yeah, in, she Soledago. walks in with goldenrod and gives me this little sprig, this little bouquet of goldenrod. And juniper. And juniper. And I. I had no idea you ripped off the people, the good people of, of Evanston, yes, but, Illinois. No, it's by the trailer where you took the sunflower photo. Uh, is that where it was, by the trailer? Where yeah. he was stalking sunflowers earlier this summer. You yeah. know, there's a really beautiful juxtaposition between the rust and then between the flowers and the natural. I love Gary, Indiana. When I drive down from, um, you know, down from from Grand Rapids and turn the corner and go down south toward the city. I was saying to my partner, I was like, Ken, I love Gary, Indiana. And, you know, that begets the why. (laughs) Why would you love Gary, Indiana? And you can see the natural world Mm -hmm. take back over those places that might have been you know, overused. Mm-hmm. They're being remediated yeah. by the wetlands. Overused is, is a it's, euphemism. It, it, I mean, it uh, it was exploited. abused, exploited, yeah, exploited. abused. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you're right. There's there's a real satisfaction when nature takes over again, mm-hmm. just comes back and and reclaims areas. I have to admit, I I get a certain satisfaction out of out of plants growing in cracks in the sidewalk it's like oh, come on it. nature I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's, it's yeah. it really is yeah, i have nature great it's grit there's there. grit there's determination there's hope i think that's <laughs> the beautiful thing is that you can find hope you know even under the the trailer that's rusting out you can yeah. find the beautiful soledago and the there are beautiful honeybees in it this morning and of course there are, yeah. because we're at the time of year. Okay, Soledago, of course, is, uh, and I mentioned it yesterday in, in my commercial for Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's goldenrod, uh, and this is not what makes you sneeze, folks, okay? Can, can we get that across? Can we get it across, please? <laughs> this is not what makes you sneeze. Uh, that's ragweed, that's which ragweed. I ripped ragweed. by the handful. Which is right next to it. <laughs> which, which is right next to it, right. It blooms at the same time. So, you know, the poor goldenrod gets the bad rap, gets the reputation. All the time. It's, you know, guilt by association yeah. is what it is. Uh, but what you've done is you've taken these plants, and you you take it one step further. You don't just rejoice in their ability to thrive uh, and change areas, you decide that they're going to help me, my body, uh, my health, uh, and you can manipulate these plants to create medicines. Yeah. Uh, how did you learn that? You know, that's a that's one, you put it really kind of, when I hear people say that to me, I'm just like, wow, that is kind of what I love to do. And when you ask how when I started doing that or how did I know, I grew up, my mother had a garden. Um, again, the observation, the tasting, the smelling, the, um, you know, I have a, a voracious appetite for learning. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's from people in the kitchen, my gardeners, you know, I have a large network of farmers, worked in local food for a long time. Um, you know, food is medicine. And growing up, you know, around the blueberry farms and, um, you know, living out in Napa for a while, working at the Edible Schoolyard in Berkeley with kids and gardening, um, you know, I started to really, it became tangible to me that not just medicine, but really healing and health happens around a table. It happens when we prepare food that comes Mm -hmm. from a place that has healthy soil. You know, currently, you know, we have Tyson following up my segment, and I'm really interested in, in restoring the soil quality. 
of our and the, the water quality. Mm-hmm. So big Great Lakes advocate. Peggy and I know each other not just from the, the plant community, but as sailors, the water community. Um, you know, so the the medicine of something like goldenrod, it actually is just a natural progression of my understanding of how we can and my undergraduate was in anthropology. That was my interest of in, mm-hmm. you know, the ethnobotany, understanding how humans across time have worked usually well not always in harmony, as we have a lot of systems that are broken currently, but have worked with the natural environment for health and for food. And so that's, you know, learning about the, the goldenrod, bringing it into my kitchen, <laughs> learning, talking with other people. Again, sample sizes are small for herbal medicine. We don't have a lot of federal funding, almost out of gladness, <laughs> you know, that you don't have research money and uh, large corporations investing in goldenrod for musculoskeletal injuries and things like that yet. <laughs> kind of like to keep it as medicine of the people for now. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. On the other hand, as you know, uh, there are times when you wish that some of the universities would investigate some properties, natural properties. They tend they tend to use their grant money because it comes from big chemical companies often to investigate the effects of chemicals rather than taking natural processes and investigating those organics, that sort of thing. And you don't get a lot as much research into that as you would like because nobody's paying for it. Right. So that leaves it up to people like you. It, and it is, again, to, you know, to decentralize. Then you step into a healthcare conversation. How do you restore people's ability to take care of themselves? How do you, you know, this started back you know, 20 years ago for me, gardening with kids, that's where it starts. Teach the children how to cook, how to find food, how, you know, my kids know how to make acorn flour. They're teenagers, so they're not going to this week, (laughs) except when I conscript them to help me with the acorns during a football game. (laughs) But, you know, restoring that knowledge upstream to later on to get people to understand how to make teas out of mint, how to use them when you have a stomach ache, and to understand the the and what to use plants. them out of. Yes, yeah. and how, how the individual plants, what their personalities are, the aromatics, the bitters, the astringents. These are observable things. I right. don't need to have a university grant to say, okay. But you need some knowledge. You need somebody who's gone before you who can teach you that stuff. You need to know where to find that information so you don't do harm to yourself or to others. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's a point you make in your book is you, you're very careful to say, if you don't know what it is, leave it alone. Don't mess with it. You know, and it, it is usually that's in the advice that you give to people who are picking mushrooms yeah. <laughs> because you don't want to kill yourself. Uh, but it's with other plants as well. You have to be careful. And it's a nod to lifelong learning. It's a nod to go deeper. It's a nod to get out, learn more, pay attention more. This is not just an overnight drop into Walgreens mm-hmm. or XYZ Corner Grocer buy a topical product, which I'm going to also, you know, say I I love my physicians. I love my Walgreens when I need them, and I think they're fantastic. But I also know— you don't always need them. I don't don't always need them. That is my health care. That, you know, for a long time having a high-deductible health care plan, I knew how to take care of things and when to go see a physician, when things got Mm -hmm. necessary beyond my ability to care for myself or my children— so I wasn't I, I don't walk into a physician's office and say, okay, I need an antibiotic when really I have the flu, I should go to bed, make some soup and stop contaminating everybody. 
So, and we don't have that common sense triage yeah. at home, right? We we've relegated that power to it's, it's by now everything. two to three generations away. Absolutely, and so now that's part. This is a part of restoring that in a very simple way around kitchen tables, mm-hmm. out in the gardens, showing people Soledago, reminding them it doesn't cause allergies. In okay. fact, make a tea out of it to mm-hmm. astringent your allergies. So, so well, what? Well, I, I want to do this first because okay. we're, we're getting ready to break here. Uh, and we, we I want to get to the practical stuff about, about what you do. But first of all, uh, remind people, this is uh, Lisa M. Rose, the author of Midwest Medicinal Plants. We need to give away a book. And you came up with a question that we're going to throw out there to our listening audience, 847-475-1590. Call in if you've got an answer. Or you can tweet us. Or you can Facebook us. Whatever. Uh, what's that uh, magical question that you came up with? So if you, if for listeners that have access to um, Twitter, Facebook our and fa- Twitter, Facebook and Twitter account, um, jump in and see the variety of nuts that Miss Peggy's gathered out of her yard currently. That's the is, question. I thought we were going with the other question. question. This is the question we went with. Uh, oh, so did you post this? I just posted it. I'm going to post it both places in Facebook in the live feed. It's on our regular Facebook, and I'm going to tweet it. Okay, so you you have to do the visual aid here, or uh, or they can answer what are what are two types, three types of nuts that you can gather now from your yard now or someone else's that Peggy yard. Uh, gathered from her yard. It has nothing to do with their relatives, anything <laughs> like that. Not those nuts. No, not the human variety. Uh, but they're in a jar here, and uh, give us two varieties, and you'll get a copy of Midwest Medicinal Plants. And that they're edible is the. And and that's part of the deal, too. Yeah. Nuts. Oh. Nuts. Who'd have thunk, you know? No nuts. All right. We're going to talk about how you do this stuff when we come back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We will be right back. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. If you garden in or around Chicago and you don't have a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, I'm a little worried about you. That's because you're missing out on not only the garden magazine for our region, but one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, as well as articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, and What to Do in the Garden. Of course, there's my column on the inside back page of every issue, but into each life a little rain must fall. 
Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere, but go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Find out what's going on in Evanston. Tune in to Haggerty's Huddle every other Monday on French and Friends. Brought to you by Chicago Lee Magazine. Name the city's top magazine. Don't just read more, read better. <laughs> do you like that? Do you, do you appreciate that? That was good. Because mm-hmm. I sleep through September most of the time. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We have uh, in our studio, very happy to have Lisa M. Rose, who is the author of Midwest Medicinal Plants. We're trying to give one away, and you can enter that contest right now. Oh, and somebody's already tweeted. I don't know if you yeah, saw there's that. there's been a couple entries, a couple things online, but... We'll, we'll, what's, we'll, what's been stated is not what's pictured in that photo. Okay. So just letting you know right now. So uh, look at the photo on Facebook. Look at the photo on Twitter. Uh, um, this is how we drive yeah. people to our social media. Absolutely. And by the, by the way, if you go to the Mike Novak Show, give us a like because we're trying to bump over 2,000. Yep. So there and, you go. And Dumpster Spotter, actually, we said name two varieties, and he did get two of three correct. Oh, nice job, yeah. Dumpster, Dumpster Spotter. So did we get, uh, do we have a winner? Yes. He said chestnuts, acorns, and walnuts. Acorns and walnuts are correct. There are Excellent. And there are All right. acorns All right. and walnuts. Dump, dumpster Spotter, we're ah, going to need an address. I see what he thinks the... Where you would so what are, what have you got there? Let's just so say. what we ha- what we have in this jar, and if you're watching, there are three types of acorns: white oak, bur oak, and red oak. And mm-hmm. a bur oak's a type of white, but they're separate. Um, there's walnuts in here. There are mm-hmm. hickory nuts, and there's um, two crab apples, just for the heck of it. And as I was saying in my backyard, I, I went out foraging the other day and came up with a Cheetos bag, um, a Snickers wrapper, plastic cap from a a, a bottle. And um, is there a beer can out there too? Um, yeah, there probably is. There's usually one around. And uh, oh, look out because Lisa's going to try. Say, which nut is the one that looks like a piggy nose? A piggy nose. There's uh, a piggy nose nut. This one. There. This your bur oak. So that's a, a bur oak. This one. The one that looks the like walnuts? yeah, like nostrils. I don't know. Sorry. I always thought it looked Aww. like a piggy nose. These are, these are the walnuts. <laughs> okay. A walnut. a squirrel's already gotten to that one. All yes, right. We've got are. a phone okay. call here at 847-475-1590. So let's go to the phone and say hi to Kathleen. Kathleen, good morning. You're on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Good morning. I have a question about anti-inflammatories. Aha. Uh-huh. I All just, right. <clears throat> I just... Um, the orthopedist just told me I was supposed to take three 800 milligram uh, ibuprofen a day, and I'm not willing to do that. Um, Why? Well, that's a lot of medicine. There's a lot of medication, and and I'm concerned about side effects. And I've already had certain problems um, with, like, going to sleep at five o'clock in the afternoon. So. Uh, I was just wondering if there's some natural inflammatories that I could use 
in addition to a smaller dose with the ibuprofen. Well, um, it's nice to meet you. And I think, uh, you know, your questions are all valid and so are your concerns. I will say, uh, just as a disclaimer, that, you know, just not being a medical doctor and because you are under the care of a current orthodoc, that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly take these concerns and questions to him directly and share those. That's a really important thing, I think, as we Or her. Or, yeah, or her, absolutely. That's a very good call out. (laughs) Um, as we seek, you know, to have better relationships and better dialogue with our physicians to say, I'm not comfortable with the level of anti-inflammatories you're prescribing to me because this is what I'm understanding it to be. And this is what is going on for me. So please do have those conversations with your physician before you change your dose. Lisa, whatever information you give me, I will write it in an email to my physician. (laughs) What do you think about this? Well, I, and I think secondarily, Um, You know, as an athlete and as a human that has had, you know, degenerative issues, not just my spine, you know, injuries, autoimmune injuries or uh, diseases, um, you know, I I echo your concern and I have similar concerns when I work with myself. And so, you know, using herbs, there are a lot of herbs and foods that you can add into your diet to start, start to reduce inflammation throughout the body. So you not just herbs, but but you can really start to consider your diet and what we have on our food on our on our table. Um, the standard American fare that we go and get at the supermarket, at you know restaurants, a lot of it um, does cause inflammation. When you you talk about refined sugars, refined flours, um, any steps you can take, you will notice. And it's very when you start to to adjust your your meals to support your, your, how your body feels, pay attention to that because as you start to adjust your flours, your sugars, your joints will ache less if, it's, you know, if you're having those types of issues. Your sleep can, can improve. You'll start to notice different hormonal changes. So diet alone is going to be a big help. Um, when pe- so when people come to me as an herbalist, they're looking perhaps for a type of tea, and I can offer those things. A couple of my favorites are the gingers, the turmeric, adding things like turmeric and ginger, you know, to your cooking. Those are anti-inflammatory herbs. Um, and, you know, again, the, the, the source of health can come from your food. Do you have a question? No, sorry. No, you're fine. Um, so, you know, when you're looking at overall trying to reduce the amount and reliance on NSAIDs like ibuprofen, which, which do, there's a lot of research out there that has, that's starting to show it actually has a negative effect on the body's ability to heal. So your concerns totally are valid, and I, I hope our, um, our physicians do start to think more creatively in dealing with chronic pain other than throwing NSAIDs at it, throwing the ibuprofen scripts. Mm-hmm. So you're doing a lot of proactive research for your own health that I know it's not easy, and I know chronic pain isn't easy. Um, so good job on that. Um, but if, you know, my information is going to link to Mike Novak's show, um, if you want to talk further about specific herbs, um, increase water and hydration. People don't, this is not an herbal <laughs> remedy, right? This is some of the things that we're really needing to think about well, before we seek additional medicines. It. I appreciate it, Lisa. I, many of these things that you're talking about are things that I've already discussed <clears throat> with my chiropractor, and it's good to hear you getting them out into the world on on the show so thanks very much and um 
Can can Kathleen can Kathleen write to you and, and get some uh, advice there? Yeah, and tips. And you know, it's it's a co learning community mm-hmm. that I hope to build through my work, asking questions. Well, what's what's your ensuring. email, or, or how can she reach you? Um, my my website is Burdock and Rose B U R D O C K and Rose R O S E dot com, and you can find me by way of email there and Facebook and Twitter. Feel free to look me up. Just a quick Google search will get you. Yeah, to me. Well, thank get you that very much. You're welcome, Kathleen. Thanks Great. for. Calling. Appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Bye. A pain free day. I should. Pain free. Uh, pain free day. Yeah. Yeah. May everyone have a pain free day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine it's, that. <laughs> it's and, quite and, profound. And there's a lot of people who don't, and yeah. that's that's it's un- a, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, how about allergies? Because this is still allergy season, and I know things like starting nettle early in the summer to mm-hmm. to offset ragweed helps. But as we're going into fall and winter, and we all get the, what can we be doing? Yeah, so the fall, great questions. Um, Anytime you can start building up your immune system for the shifts in seasons, including changes with allergies, is a great time to start. So fall, got a lot of molds as the trees fall, um, molds, pollens. um, Even, you know, as I play with the the bur oaks here, I can feel my allergies start up. Goldenrod is a wonderful astringent as a tea that Mm. can help dry up leaky, drippy allergies. So it actually, we can pass around some of that Soledago here, and there are about, what, 20 varieties in the Great Lakes region of goldenrod. Um, and if each, the entire, <laughs> snorting it, we're not, no, I don't, for no, those of you that can't no, get the no. visual, we don't stick it up our nose. Yeah, all the likes. I don't know, that's just getting likes That all got the likes. <laughs> it is not a scrub brush for the nasal cavities. Um, so goldenrod, if you go ahead and pass, if you, you know, pass up a stand of it, Take a nibble of a, of a flower and you'll really? taste it. Just, yeah, just, yeah, pass just, it around right now. We can taste it. All right. I mean, once you we'll know, we'll start that with the Ariana. Plant, we'll make Ariana yeah. take Ariana it first. I'll take one that. first for the team. So, oh, no, it's okay. I'll I'll do this here too. The aerial parts are used in herbal medicine. So do you just like scrape it off like that? Yeah, you can just pick it off, mm-hmm. and then you can go ahead and you can sniff. Like right now, soledago, meaning the root sun in Latin. Right. That is, that is not good. So, okay. Now, when I work with kids in a garden, they usually say, Miss Rose, that's nasty. That's I say, nasty. Okay, Miss Rose, Miss Rose, that's, that's nasty. Miss Rose, that's nasty. Miss solid. You've got it. A, a plus for you. And then I say, all right, Mikey, you know, it's it's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> so what other language can we use to describe what you're tasting right now? And if you go ahead and smell it bitter. and taste it, bitter. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Bitter. And then also, you know, if you have... It's also astringent. Your mouth is going to dry up. So if you make a tea of this, mm-hmm. um, I love French presses. Uh, I think everybody should own a French press mm-hmm. because you can put raw, you can put whole plant material in the jar, pour boiling water over it. There's a partial lid that covers the plant material, keeps the aromatics in, okay? So if you make a press pot of goldenrod tea, press it out a little bit, it will dry up your mouth tissues. It'll dry up your sinuses. I'm not suggesting running it through a neti pot. Okay, so don't inhale it like I just yeah, tried to. Yeah, don't snort it. Oh. Um, there can, I mean, it's just the, the fibers me. of the plant. There yeah. are lots of other things I would mm-hmm. recommend for allergies and neti pot <coughs> use. Um, but, but yeah, boy, I can taste that. It's a tea. It's, a, it's astringent. Leaky yeah. cat allergies, too. It's really awesome for I, cat allergies. Be, oh, for cat allergies? You're going to all be right. brewing up gold. Oh, all right, all right. All right, we've only got two minutes, so what I want you to uh, tell folks right now that, uh, there are a number of different ways that people can do uh, first of all they should pick up the book uh, Midwest Medicinal Plants but you have different ways that folks can 
create these medicines. Uh, there are teas and salves, and go through them very, very quickly. We only have a couple of minutes. Yeah, lots of different ways that you can prepare plants to use them, you know, in your home and, and with your body. So you can create teas using water and plant extracts. You can make tinctures. Tinctures, you know, for those of you that might stop into Whole Foods, um, they're liquid extracts using anything from glycerin to vodka to high-proof alcohol, depending on how much resin might be mm-hmm. in the plant and what you're looking to extract. Um, topical, topical applications. Topical applications with plants include um, oils, salves, liniments. Isopropyl alcohol is something I'm going to play more with um, for, you know, for bruising, uh, chronic pain, things like that. Oh, what else am I forgetting? Steam inhalations. You talk about mm-hmm. allergies, aromat- aromatic plants mm-hmm. to do steam inhalations yeah. and baths. You can also bathe in plants. Why not roll why not? Roll, roll, roll in it? In the roll, roll, roll in it like you know. That's what dogs do. So they you know, do. why not bathing in plants? Um, listen, uh, thank you so much. The one thing I'm going to uh, wild crafting. I had no idea what wild crafting is. I, I would say the next version of the book. You got to put a definition of wild crafting because I was going through pages and going. What the heck is wild crafting? I have no idea. Yeah. It's the the artisan art of gathering plants, just like you do at the end of the block with the sunflowers by the truck. Cool. You're a wild Lisa Rose, uh, Midwest Medicinal Plants. Go to my website. All the information's there. We will be right back. Chicagoans are looking for ways to get healthier in 2017. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and taking action. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health and lifestyle coaches, yoga classes, green landscapers, even home improvement and energy efficiency experts. Our dedicated readers pick up their free copies each month from more than 1,100 locations throughout the city and suburbs because they know it's the best source for information about healthy, green living in Chicago. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. That's 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Hi, this is Ron Calgill from Mighty House. Are you looking for a cool ride that you can plug in so you can flip off the guy at the gas station? The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2017 Tesla Model X, and only 2,500 tickets will be sold. Go to Illinois Solar and click on the link to the Tesla raffle. You can buy one ticket for $100 or four tickets for $300. All the raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. The winner will be drawn on December 7, 2017. That's IllinoisSolar.org. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please, support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. What is this, anyhow? This is your talk. This is America, Jack. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Let's uh, go to uh, the phone, and and I'm going to, unless you want to pronounce the name, Peggy. Nea? uh, It it is Celeste Pepitone. Nea? 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 Are we even close, Celeste? 
Yeah, you're pretty close. It's the last puppeteering Neha. Neha? Neha. Neha. Okay. You gotta have you need a pronunciation guide. Uh when, I really do. It's a, it's a tricky one. <laughs> it is a tricky one. And she's a Chicago field organizer for the nonprofit Mighty Earth, sometimes known as Mighty. Uh, you're also with something called GreenCore.org? Yes, absolutely. I am currently in my Green Corps year. Green Corps is a program that trains um, new leaders in environmental organizing. Okay. And Green Corps partners with different nonprofits. So right now we're partnered with Mighty Earth okay. and helping them run this campaign in, in seven different states. Okay. Uh, and it's it, it's a campaign, as uh, I mentioned earlier on the show, it's sort of... It, it relates to the uh, the dead zone, okay, the, in, yeah. the, in the Gulf of Mexico. And, and believe me, uh, we don't get to pat ourselves in the back and go, USA, USA, because, <laughs> because there are actually dead zones all over the planet. Um, exactly. Uh, from my research, I've discovered that there are more than 400 dead zones in oceans and seas all over the world. So anywhere you have agriculture – Anywhere you have uh, chemicals that you're putting on the ground, whether they're uh, fertilizers, well, m- mostly fertilizers because it's a nutrient issue. And a lot right. of a lot of folks say, um, well, hey, we're putting all those pesticides in the oceans and that's killing, that's creating dead zones. And no, it's not it's not pesticides at all. It's nutrients. It's it's basically nitrogen and phosphorus. And they create right. they, uh, they create algae blooms. The algae, <laughs> it explodes in population, and then it dies. And when it dies, well, the, the decomposition pro- process sucks up all the oxygen in the area, and then everything living in that area either dies itself or has to go away. So it has these huge swaths, and the one in the Gulf of Mexico is the largest ever. I put a, um, an article from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration on my website uh, in the blog uh, today. Uh, Noah said, yep, it's the largest one ever recorded in the Gulf of Mexico. It's the size of New Jersey. All right. Exactly. exactly. Uh, so and, it, and and they always bloom up more in the summer than they do in the winter because that's when we add the chemicals. Uh, that's when we put our synthetic fertilizers down. And believe me, it's not just agriculture. It's folks in their backyards with their lawns, too. But agriculture plays a huge role. And that's where are you, by the way, uh, Celeste? What, what's the music I'm hearing back there? Oh, oh, it's a little bit uh, intrusive, but uh, I think we can survive here uh, okay. at, at any rate. Um, so we've got these chemicals. And so you've decided uh, you're working with folks uh, who want to address the chemicals that are put in our soil, mainly to feed our meat production, uh, our chicken and beef and pork uh and uh so uh, you, and you've got an event on tuesday so tell me about this definitely so you are completely right the the, the dead zone problem is a global problem um but here in the u.s what we're really seeing is that the meat industry is the leading cause of water pollution um as well as they are driving the destruction of natural landscapes across the country um so we know that working from raising meat is contaminating our drinking water and Going down the Mississippi from here in the Midwest into the into the massive dead zone in the Gulf, and so um, a common misconception is that the actual livestock are the source of the problem, when in fact most of the pollution is coming from 
the growing, um, the vast quantities of corn and soy required to feed America's meat. Well, well, let me let me just stop you for a second. There's actually two problems. You say you, you, a lot of people are, have the misconception that it's the cattle. There is some. Uh, there's methane that, and there's Absolutely. and and there's the space that's taken up uh, by all these cattle, uh, which could be used for better purposes. Uh, but right. but your point is, we have to feed them, and so we we right. we grow all this corn, we grow soybeans, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, and there's a wonderful PDF that uh, you guys sent me uh, about the issue. And I hope you go to MikeNovak.net and click on it to see um, what is in it, because you will find it a, a, a real education. It is called, and I'm going to make sure I've got it right, it's called Mystery Meat 2, the industry behind the quiet destruction of the American heartland. Uh, exactly. Yeah, and that's a, a terrific PDF, and it sort of explains the whole problem. So you're trying to... Right. You're trying to address the people who are growing the, the corn and the soybeans and putting all the chemicals down, right? Exactly, because um, although, you know, animals do take up a large quantity of land, it's actually um, 40% of the entire American land area is used just for the pasture and crops to feed those animals. So we're talking about um, a lot of corn and soy farms, and this industry is controlled by just a small handful of powerful companies. So the reason we're focused on Tyson Foods is that Tyson Foods is the company most responsible for driving the practices causing this pollution. Um, they are producing one out of every five pounds of meat in America. Um, and because of corporate consolidation, they are really controlling the means of production um, in terms of the, the, the feed used to raise America's meat. Um, so Mighty Earth actually, yeah, the... Um, the PDF shows our analysis of Tyson and suppliers, um, and there's some great maps showing that the greatest concentration of all meat companies in those areas of the country are also experiencing the worst pollution from meat, um, and those are Tyson meat and feed facilities. And you're talking really about the heartland it's uh, of America, so this is where we grow the cattle, mm-hmm. this is where we have... Uh, or raise the cattle and the chickens and the pork, and this is where we put a lot of the chemicals down, and we we grow the corn and the soybeans, and that's where a lot of the the nutrient runoff comes from. Eventually, it ends up in the Gulf of Mexico, but it it exactly. it, it causes issues all uh, all along the way, doesn't it? Exactly. Yes. Um, getting into our drinking water, you know, I read over seven million Americans have drinking water that may be contaminated with nitrate pollution. Um, so this is a huge problem here in Illinois, um, as well as the destruction of natural prairies. In Illinois, um, we also only have 0.01% remaining of natural prairie ecosystem. Um, and a lot of that is because of the bulldozing over those lands to, to, to plant crops. Yeah, well, it's a given, um, it's a given that we got to stop destroying our whatever's left of our prairies and try to restore some and stop exactly. devoting it all to corn and soybeans, I think. That that is a given. Well, we have just about a minute left, so tell me about your kickoff campaign on Tuesday. Great, yeah. So because Tyson is at the forefront of these practices, we are calling on Tyson's CEO to live up to his commitment. Um, he's made public statements about sustainability, and we're calling on him to live up to his word and make Tyson more sustainable. Um, by yeah, so we are throwing a huge kickoff meeting here in Chicago this Tuesday night. It's at seven p.m. at the Second Unitarian Church in Lincoln Park. Um, and it's going to be the best way to learn how 
how to get involved in this campaign. Um, we have a lot of events coming up. Um, a press event next month. We'll be having a town hall around Thanksgiving um, and a petition drop at Tyson's headquarters in South Duke in December. Okay. So it's a really exciting campaign, and um, we, we want everyone at our kickoff to be on. All right. Uh, just going to let people know, it's Tuesday, September 19th, 7 to 8 p.m., Second Unitarian Church of Chicago, 656 West Berry. Uh, you can look at their Facebook campaign kickoff meeting, Clean It Up Tyson, which is linked to my website. Celeste, we're, we're flat out of time. Uh, I hope we, we get a chance to talk in the future, and good luck with the uh, campaign. Thanks for having me on. No problem. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-475-1590. Here they are again. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Whenever my head starts to hurt, before it goes from bad to feeling worse, I turn off my phone, I get down low, and put my hands in the dirt. My brain hurts! Sorry, sorry. My brain hurts! Thank you, Gumby. Yes. No, it wasn't. No, that wasn't Gumby, that was Monty Python. Right. What? And and th- didn't they call him Gumby with the... Uh... Oh, did they call him Gumby? Yeah, with, oh. with, with, with the I thought, handkerchief I thought tied over his head. My brain yeah, hurts! Yeah, I, I thought maybe you were refer- no, no, you suddenly no. went over to Saturday Night Live with uh, Eddie Murphy. No, and be careful because we are and now live on Facebook. Are we live on Facebook? <laughs> so you can do that again for the Facebook. So, I, so I, I have to be careful what I say now. No, why don't I have to be careful when I'm on the radio, but I have to be careful when I'm on Facebook? No, I meant you could do the My Brain Hurts. Uh, my brain hurts. All right. Um, welcome back. For those of you who's listening on Facebook, all six of you at the very end. Oh, you Sandra get, Henry's here. Uh, hey, Sandra. You got to listen to the uh, my my comment, but I'm not going to say. You have to nope. go to the Facebook Live from the first hour to hear that. Uh, but welcome back. And I did something in the first hour of this show that I'm never going to do again. Snorted goldenrod? Not snort. Eat it. Uh <laughs> Did you, did you, uh, Ariana? Did you get some of that? I did. It was nasty. Definitely not what I was expecting at all. Miss Rose, Miss Rose, that's nasty. <laughs> I can see her in the car now, I f- laughing. I feel healthy. <laughs> well, she er. did. Well, she did say a a um, either a tincture or a tea would be good for cat allergies. I got your tincture right here, pal. Cat allergies. No, I. 
She was wonderful, and mm-hmm. we need to have her back to talk about uh, uh, the things that she didn't get to, which is which are really important. Is how do you forage? Where do you forage? Get permissions, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Don't don't mm-hmm. don't uh, you know grab plants and seeds that are endangered. Mm-hmm. Don't get them out of forest preserves unless you have permission. That kind of thing. Don't take them out of the park, uh, and well, certainly don't harm yourself by. Grabbing the wrong thing and eating, like eating poison ivy or something, that yeah. would not be a good thing. Well, one of the things she also talks about, because she mentioned observation uh, in, in the last hour, is observing over a season, observing over time. Is there water running through the property? Where is it coming from? What is nearby? Is there a chance that there's lead paint in the property? Learning what's on that property over time so you know what's in the plants well, you're harvesting. Well, you know, and given uh, m- most properties in the in urban areas and suburban areas have had something else there before mm-hmm. whether it was a factory whether it was a farm even farm i mean 100 years ago we were throwing uh, all kinds of uh chemicals down uh, that uh, persist persist arsenic those kinds yeah. of things were used uh so you really need to know what was there before before you start harvesting stuff but 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 that takes us into another question that we need to address and this is why it's okay if you're going to rip your paper there. You can tear. She's doing origami or I something. I know. Ariana's right? like ripping little sheets of paper and looking at me because it's. Uh, I can I hear it. it was too loud. It, it is too loud. Go outside so and do it, that. I put Go it on. under the table. All right. But, but the other thing we get into is bio, uh, a bioavailability mm-hmm. of plants. How much do plants suck up that stuff? The study, there's no science on that. There's or not no. I shouldn't say no. There's not a lot of science. On it, and I'm sure that Lisa's listening and, and shaking her head and going, "Yeah, you're right," or nodding and going, "Yeah," because there isn't as much about bioavailability. What is the ability of a plant to suck it up? So, for we do know that. So, for instance, if you're growing a tomato and you got lead in the soil, you don't have to worry about the tomatoes because the fruiting bodies tend not to collect lead uh, and other toxins. Mm-hmm. But leaves, yeah, if you're growing lettuce, leaves and oh, and look at she just walked in the studio again. They haven't left yet. They're not back in. I thought they were back in Grand Rapids by now. Anyway, a couple of things before we move on. Um, uh, uh, oh, she left her glasses. That's she's like doing miming glasses. I thought she was like miming a telescope here. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Ariana came up with our friends, the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener, and if they're listening, they're thinking, how come they don't know the name, uh, the frequency, of the station, or the name of it yet? W N O V, as in Novak. With a, if I used a V instead of a W, don't think of that. Okay. As a Nova. A Nova. There you go. W Nova, 860 AM and 106.5 FM. You can listen to the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener in Milwaukee. Excellent. Uh, I also wanted to note that Mr. Turk, William C. Turk, uh, posted on Facebook, walking the dog this morning near the river at Pratt and Kedzie. Two cops have just moved a 15 pound, two foot, 15 pound, I guess two-foot-long snapping turtle from the street. We chatted a bit, then I carried the turtle, snapping away the 40 or so yards to the riverbank. So apparently the cops are like, we'll put it in the middle of the street, you know, and it takes Bill Turk to come out and say, maybe we should put it in the river. Maybe that's a better place for the snapping turtle. Good for you, Bill. Give, give that man a ding. And he's on with the playtime. At 1 o'clock. Uh, at uh, one to three on Sundays. One to three on late time with with Bill and Sid, featuring Carrie. Carrie Kendall. 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 There Thank we you. go. See, 
He's on it. Brandon's on it. I produce both shows. Ah. Yeah, because he produces them. <laughs> and Richie Z's Chicago History and Automotive uh, Heaven is on at noon. And before that, right after yeah. us, Dr. Bob Martin radio show. So that's all coming up. Well, on... I also want to mention September 30th. We are going to be out at the Scarce Fair. Oh, right. I'm so excited about that. Yes, on the 30th, the Saturday, 10 a.m., come out to the Scarce Fair at the DuPage County Fairground. You're probably hearing the announcements uh, during our show, but we wanted to emphasize that you should come out and recycle stuff mm-hmm. and do cool stuff. Go to the Scarce website. I'll be Go... there. Are you coming out? I am coming all right. Out. All right, and we'll have an area. On a sighting on site. She'll How be cool ripping things into little will. pieces. <laughs> All right, Monarchs, coming up next. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. The Scarce Green Fair is back, and the Mike Novak Show is part of it. We'll be broadcasting from the DuPage County Fairgrounds on Saturday, September 30th at 10 a.m. This year, the Green Fair features a free recycling extravaganza, eco-lifestyle workshops, goats, chickens, beekeeping demos, STEM activities for kids, a farmer's market, food vendors, and more. Peggy and I love Scarce, so come out and be part of the fun. Go to scarce.org for details, and we'll see you there. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. This is your talk. One of the few true originals of our time. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. And this is in honor of the uh, monarch butterflies and any other butterflies out there right now. Everybody sing along. What? You know, they, they do not make songs the way they used to. They, they just don't. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, Doug Taran, who now no longer wants to be on the show. He's hung up. Who's wondering why he agreed to this. Uh, <laughs> but we're extremely silly this morning, Doug. Uh, but I bet you were singing along, weren't you, Doug? I might have been. I, I'm glad it wasn't live at the time because no one wants to hear that. <laughs> no one wants to hear us either, believe me. 
Uh, and Doug Taran, uh, he is the Butterfly Guy, a.k.a. Chief Curator of the Chicago Academy of Sciences at the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum in Chicago. Um, once we get through with the title, that's all the time we have, and we have to say goodbye. Uh, no, that's not true. You, you, you deserve the title, and, and uh, you have been out and about, uh, I imagine, enjoying. This has got to be perfect uh, observing weather in the last week or so for guys like you to go out and check what's happening at the, at the end of summer. It has, and, and um, you know, the monarchs have been out. There have been a bunch of other butterfly species that are still flying, and, and as you say, the weather has just been perfect for this sort of thing. And I was amazed because uh, I don't even know how we decided to do I know how. Yeah, You're, you got the newsletter. Yeah, I got the newsletter. So you've got to, I'm going to give your folks a ding here. The Peggy Notabart, you, you need to go back to your PR department and say, oh, my God, it worked. Somebody <laughs> somebody read the press release. I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> and I read the press release, and Peggy and I talked, and we said, let's give Doug a call. Let's see if he can uh, be on the show because we haven't talked about monarchs in at least, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes. And uh <laughs> Uh, we'll get them on the show and, and see how things are going doing. And lo and behold, you wrote to me yesterday and said, you know what? It's not looking too bad at the end of the, I mean, c- comparatively. So t- give us a, a brief report about what folks are seeing. Um, well, the monarchs seem to have had a pretty good summer here in the Chicago area. And um, the um, Illinois Butterfly Monitoring Network, although the data are not all in from 2017 yet, enough of them have come in that we can start looking at it. And, we are seeing, um, oh, somewhere between one and a half and two times the um, uh, rate of monarch viewing that we were seeing uh, last summer. So, wow. Um, so hmm. that's, that's a nice thing. Now, you, you can't put too much uh, on just one year-to-year variation because um, uh, monarchs, like all insects, their population numbers tend to rise and fall fairly dramatically from year to year. Right. But over the last several years, since those really, really bad years that we had in 2013 and 2014, I, they've seemed to be on a nice upward trajectory here in the Chicago area. And a, a number of people have been talking about the fact that they were just seeing a lot more of them this summer. Well, and, and you get that information from in part from the Illinois Butterfly Monitoring Network. Tell us a little bit about that and and how they figure into it. Uh, The Illinois Butterfly Monitoring Network is a citizen science program that's run by the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum. And this is uh, a a whole bunch of people. We've got over 100 people out there collecting data in um, Illinois and northwest Indiana. And everybody gets assigned a place that they go to, and a survey route is set up. And at least six times during the summer, they go out and they walk the survey route and they count and identify all of the butterflies that they see within 20 feet of themselves while they're walking their route. <laughs> and, so and, and if it's 22 feet, they say, no, no, that's not going to happen. Well, I mean, you, 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 have to, you have to treat the data with the limitations that they have. <laughs> okay. Um, but one of the nice things is this is um, quantitative data. Mm-hmm. And it's data that we've collected for a long time. We have data going back to the uh, late 1980s. And so uh, this is ideal for looking at long-term population trends, not just of the monarch, but of lots of different things, lots of different butterfly species. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
one of the things they are paying attention to, because it's the iconic species, is the monarch. But mm-hmm. it's not the only butterfly that the folks are, are, are looking for. Uh, no. In a, in a typical year, we will receive data on about 90 different species of butterflies, wow. give, give wow. or take. Yeah. That's that's a ton. So uh, I, I do want to I'll tell you what, let's talk about monarchs first and then I want to get to some of the other species. So uh, the things you're saying are important. Uh, the most important thing is when you take account in an area such as Chicago, it's a very limited area. There's monarchs spread all the way from Nova Scotia <laughs> to the Rocky Mountains, uh, you know, Saskatchewan. From, from the eastern, yeah, the eastern yeah, population. The eastern population. Yeah, population. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, east of the Rockies. The, the western population uh, is actually in decline. Peggy sent me an amazing story uh, that uh, I posted on my blog at MikeNovak.net about how the Western population, and now that's west of the Rockies, and they they don't go to Mexico in the winter. They overwinter on the West Coast. But that population has declined by about 97%. That's crazy. In the last 35 years. In the last 35 years. But but so I guess you could say the same thing for to some degree for the Eastern population because we were up over a billion at the end of the 20th century, and now we're down to... What was what was the the low point? Thirty five million or something like that? Yeah, you you do have to be somewhat careful interpreting these numbers. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I have seen around that um, uh, pegs the numbers for the eastern population to 1996. And uh, most of these numbers, by the way, are not from here in Illinois. The the big annual survey that gets done gets done in Mexico every right, year. Right. Right. And in 1996, there was a huge outlier, enormous population that year. And so by pegging everything to that year, uh, you kind of make the decline look worse than it actually has been. Now, there are causes <laughs> for concern. Yeah. And um, so I have not looked at the Western data recently. Um, so I, I don't know if anything similar has happened in the interpretation of those data. But... Um, you know, I can say that the uh, the eastern and western populations don't necessarily move in sync with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the western population, uh, I have heard, um, you know, very alarming things during a couple of years that we were actually doing okay here in the east and vice versa. Yeah, this is a, a report just published in the journal Biological Conservation that shows western monarchs have plummeted from about 10 million living along the west coast to about 300,000. Well, that, that's certainly a very uh, reputable journal that it's mm-hmm. been published in. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed that I haven't seen it oh, yet, but no. I will I will have to go Lots take a to look read out there. Uh, <laughs> go to MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net, and look at the blog, and you'll see that. Oh, excellent. <laughs> um, but you're right about that, and I think it's really important to keep everything in uh, in, in perspective uh, and to know where the numbers are coming from, as you say, as a scientist, that has to drive you nuts that uh, numbers get thrown around and some of them are about the winter count. Some of them mm-hmm. are about the Chicago count. Oh, mm-hmm. and now we'll throw in something about the Western monarch. And I I know in your head you have it all straight, Doug, but I know you can see the average uh, person being confused by all these numbers and not knowing exactly what's out there. Uh, absolutely, and and I think something that happened last year is a really good example. Last year, the numbers weren't quite as as good as they were the year before last. 
here in, uh, in the eastern population. And I saw a couple of real screaming headlines, monarch population d diminishes by 27%, which if you look at the numbers, it was down 27% by, uh, from the year before. But that's um, really well within the normal year-to-year -year variation that you, you uh, see in this species. And uh, that's in, in particular why I, I uh, want to caution against any year-to-year -year comparison <laughs> as opposed yeah. to a longer-term trend. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining a headline that says, Monarchs experiencing normal variation. <laughs> Not very exciting. <laughs> no. See, yeah. you, you don't sell uh, uh, newspapers and websites and, and TV yeah. shows yeah. that way. Nothing happened today. Yeah. <laughs> Although uh, some of the um, uh, some things that might make exciting headlines hadn't hadn't um, haven't made it. So I mentioned the year before last, 2015, mm -hmm. uh, was a pretty good year for the monarchs, especially after that really dismal year in um, – uh, 2014, and I forget the exact number, but it was something like a 256% increase in the monarch population, and no one was putting that up as a headline. Yeah. Well, and I think that's because the numbers had dipped so low that but but you're right. It it's it was it's it's the same thing. If you're going to go by the same standards, you should you should report that. Um uh, but uh, so let's let's clarify this about the counts. You're looking at Chicago and the only thing you know is what the observers see. The, the, the difficulty in, in, in observing monarchs um, in North America at this time of year is that they're spread all over the mm -hmm. place, whereas in Mexico, they all come. Uh, the the eastern monarch comes for its migration. It's, again, iconic migration. And. Uh, you have them all in one area, so it's a lot easier to count them. Uh, and that's why the official count comes, what, right in the, at the end of the winter? It's, it's February or something when the count is done? Yeah, they generally, uh, World Wildlife Fund has been doing this count for a long time, and they generally release the numbers for any given winter uh, around the first week of February. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to know how the monarchs are doing, that's the count that counts. Okay, <laughs> if you want to, to, to coin a phrase, uh, when you uh, have counts here in Chicago, you're only giving an indication of what the trends might be. So it's kind of like uh, in a political race, it's like, well, folks are leaning this way. We won't know until the actual vote comes yeah. in in February. Um, although that's true, um, one other thing to be aware of about the data here in Illinois is that um, – uh, we've shown that uh, if you do certain types of statistical analyses with it, it's a pretty good predictor of what you're going to mm -hmm. see in Mexico the following winter. Okay. Uh, and, and interestingly, uh, the reverse of that is not true to nearly the same degree. So Mexico isn't a really great predictor of what you're going to see up here in the north the following summer. But what you see here in Chicago is a pretty good predictor of what you'll see in Mexico. The so following. if the numbers are down here, they're probably going to be down in Mexico as well. Right. And I have heard, again, from east of the Rockies, uh, a number of colleagues saying that they were seeing more monarchs this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is, you know, outside of the um, uh, Illinois Butterfly Monitoring Network sphere of uh, activity. And uh, so it would not surprise me at all to see the numbers looking pretty good in Mexico this year, although things can happen. Yeah, obviously. And that was the other point I was going to make, is that even though we get the numbers out of Mexico in February, what happens, and it's happened more than once, is 
in March, as the monarchs are beginning to leave Mexico and go back up into North America or the northern part of North America, there are often winter storms, mm-hmm. late winter mm-hmm. storms that can have a, a, a severe impact on those populations. Or, or in this case of this year, just Hurricane Harvey just missing the migration. Yeah, that was that definitely had the feeling of a bullet being dodged because that part of Texas is, is um, where uh, it's it's more populations further east of here, but that's where a lot of the populations would go right through that part of Texas. And they're going to do that because, uh, according to, and by the way, I'm um, waving to the whoever's at the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum right now who's tweeting away like crazy. So <laughs> whoever's listening there on your staff and doing this, hi, hi, it's Mike here. <laughs> I love it when, when folks are doing that. Uh, but... Um, so we're at the point uh, that your folks say they're just starting to come through Chicago, so you can expect to see the, the, the migration. When generally do they hit Texas? Uh, they will hit, hit Texas um, oh, um, first or second week of October generally. Now, there, there's actually um, – I've been, I've been hearing more about more of the migration has been seen um, uh, earlier and further south of here. Um, and so we're we're actually kind of partway through the whole process at the moment. And uh, generally, by the last week in September, it's really tailing off here. Okay. Uh, and those and those that are left, <laughs> the the stragglers, and you all, you see one in October, you think, ooh, I'm not sure you're going to make it. Uh, you better get going, dude. Yeah, I've <sighs> I've actually seen monarchs on the grounds of the Nature Museum as late as the first week of November. Mm. And um, I suspect that um, the later you get into the season, the uh, you know past the peak, the uh, lower the uh, the chances of a, a successful journey all the way to Mexico are. Although there's no real data supporting that. Yeah, it would. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to track one of those stragglers in November and see that they land in Mexico? You always you're always rooting for the monarch to get mm-hmm. there because it's such a it's an amazing journey. It really is. Uh, so here we are. We only got a couple of minutes before we break, uh, uh, but uh, they're feeding right now. And one of the things I did earlier in the show, and I don't know if you heard it, is I ate some um, uh, solidago, which did not sit well, <laughs> which did not sit well with me. But monarchs like it at this time, I would imagine. They they do. It's it's one of the good nectar sources. There are a number of plants uh, that that bloom right about now during the migration that are very good nectar sources for traveling monarchs. And the goldenrods are one of them. Uh, asters are a very good late season nectar mm-hmm. source for them. And although it can be kind of weedy and, and some of the prairie managers don't like it, tall bone set can be an excellent mm. nectar source for migrating monarchs. I keep wondering if that's what I have in my yard, the little white flowers uh, that and it pops up every year. And I think it's a eupatorium. Uh, but I, I'm not sure, although they keep uh, changing the genus names mm-hmm. on that, too, so it's really hard to keep uh, track of all that. Uh, we're, we are talking at the moment to uh, Doug Terran uh, from the uh, Peggy Notabart Nature Museum. He's sometimes known as the butterfly guy, like I said, but that's not his real title. Uh, he is the... He's chi- the dragonfly guy. Is, oh, that's true. You are the dragonfly <laughs> guy, too. Chief curator of the Chicago Academy of Sciences. Hey, here's your chance. If you got a question about monarchs or other butterflies at this time of year or any time of year, give us a call, 847-475-1590, and the guy who knows it all is going to answer it. This is the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We will be right back.
Did you know that there are 17,000 chemicals used in the array of common household cleaners? But only 30% of these are tested for side effects on human health and the environment. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. The average household has 3 to 25 gallons of toxic materials in the house, most of which are cleaning products. When buying cleaning products, avoid anything that bears a poison label. Duh! but especially products that contain diethylene glycol, formaldehyde-based deodorizers, triclosan, phenols, petroleum solvents, perchloroethylene, and other hard-to-pronounce stuff. Check out sites like EWG.org, who have done the homework for you already. Or make your own. It's an easy, non-toxic solution. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. The Green Living Expo returns to McHenry County College on Saturday, November 4th. And this 10th anniversary celebration is going to be pretty special. For starters, there will be two, yes, two, fully decorated and locally owned tiny homes on display, the award-winning traveling exhibit Sustainable Choices, and area college and university solar and super mileage team race cars. Visit the Living Lightly Tent, where innovators share their energy-saving innovations with you. Of course, more than 70 exhibitors and vendors of all kinds will be there, including invited artists displaying and selling their sustainable creations. And did I mention the Green Living Expo is free and open to the public? And that Mike and I will be there? McHenry County College, Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash greenexpo or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765, 815-479-7765. This is your talk. Do you read me? On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. But you didn't know I could play the banjo. Doing a great job there. <laughs> yeah. Considering I'm holding papers in my hand as well. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Ariana's here. Brandon is uh, answering phone calls. Oh, my Ooh. goodness. The calls. And Ariana's yawning. Uh, I am. And uh, don't do that. I'm sorry. All right. It's contagious. Uh, it I just saw on Facebook folks watch, watching us on live. A Judy Deem uh, was glad to see Monarchs by the Lake. Somebody else. How do we get those? Can you get to that? And somebody else said, I've "I know seen why. Why can't we? Tales. Why can't we get to those comments? Because you can't. You can't. So Facebook, uh, in its infinite wisdom, has it show up, but you can't. You have to scroll to find it because we got people writing to us. And I'm, a lot I'm of, checking on my all right. computer. Oh, Ooh. well, let's take that right away before we go into other butterflies. Colleen, you're on the Mike Novak show. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Great. There's a couple. You know about me from farmers markets, but you didn't know I was a professional gardener in Southern California at one point in my career. Really? I okay. Was, I, I, I was the lead gardener and the rooftop gardener of the um, Walt Disney Center stainless steel building designed wow. by Frank Deere. Talked my way into it. was really fun. Anyway, here's my question. At every of over 6,000 people every Saturday morning at the Oak Park Farmers Market, and it is lined of women by the playground with native milkweed. Um, and I want to do some quick signage because I draw the children's attention to it. But I want to know a brief, exciting way to let the kids know how important these plants are, you know, since they're there anyway. Do we have, does anyone have any suggestions, like a, a fun sign or some, some way I can, you know, 
I really direct them to how really vital this is. Doug, what, have well, you, what do you think? One sentence, the vital importance. <laughs> uh, milkweed is the only kind of plant that monarch caterpillars will eat. Well, there you go. Well. Right. <laughs> I was thinking feeding the milkweeds with a big arrow. Ask us, you know, ask us questions, right? I mean, feeding the monarch, yeah. Uh, that's that's one of the things you can do. Uh, you know, I... I I'm on the spot here. I don't know right off the the bat. Send us a note. Yeah, send us a note, and and, and okay. let me see what I can do. And I'll, I'll tell you what. Anybody listening uh, can write to us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, email Mike at MikeNovak dot net, um, or or call eight four seven four seven five fifteen ninety to help Colleen out. She wants to get kids sucked into the idea that monarchs are cool. Uh, what is one quick, easy way with a sign? To do that. And the milkweed. Yeah. And, and, and I also might want to give a boost to someone who is a monarch expert in the area to, um, you know, hand out seeds, talk to kids. I mean, you have a, a big audience there. So, yeah. Well, ideas. Welcome. Wonderful. Thank you. Send us a note so we can follow up on that. Perfect. Great. Thank All right. you. All right. Thanks, Thanks for calling. And, okay, and Catherine on Facebook, speaking of milkweed, also says, a friend brought me some milkweed pods. When can I plant the seeds? Oh, that's uh that's a great idea. Doug, do you want to give us a, a little hint there? Uh I I generally plant them as soon as I collect them. All right, so, but but they have to be uh ripe. Well, they they do have to be ripe. I mean, that milkweed makes it easy when the fluff is nice and and fluffy <laughs> uh and the seeds are nice and black, they're ready to go. Uh-huh. And and, and when the when the pod starts cracking open a yeah. little and I and I call them and I've and I've used this term before. I call them uh, milkweed bombs. I take a pod and I make sure it's cracked a little bit, mm-hmm. and then I I hurl it into my neighbor's yard, and <laughs> <laughs> and hope that some of the seeds take. And uh, invariably they do. So uh, you can you can get them that way. And if you Ooh. save them from another year, you can plant them. I think I, they call that gorilla gardening, Mike. Mm-hmm. Gorilla gardening. You know what? We've got a friend of ours uh, from the show from way back who's been listening to us for a number of years, and that's David J. Zaber. I just saw a tweet from him, and now he's written on Facebook. He says, there's a big threat to migrating monarchs in Texas right now. They're spraying Naled, or Naled, I don't know Mm -hmm. how that's pronounced, uh, Doug, you might know, for mosquito control in flooded areas of Texas. uh, That's a piece we posted yesterday. Yeah, Peggy and I posted a piece on that on the Mike Novak Show Facebook page. Uh, And, you know, they're doing it to control mosquitoes, but as you know, the least effective way of controlling mosquitoes is the adulticides Mm -hmm. that they use. The most effective way is the larvicides, but... I'm seeing issues with some of the larvicides now too. There's there's a there's a report out that some of the problems ca- that we thought were caused by the Zika virus might actually have been caused by the larvicides. Now I don't know if that's scaremongering or what. It's it's uh, it's hard to say, but I do know that the the government has they're grabbing their planes and the National Guard and they're going to spray the Dickens out of Texas. Uh, what's the, what effect is that going to have on monarchs and on pollinators down there, Doug? Well, the uh, insecticides, the, the adulticides tend to be uh, um, a lot less specific than the larvicides. A lot of the larvicides really um, are much more specific to mosquitoes, and, and they also um, don't really get at the terrestrial and, and aerial insects. 
the uh, aerial spraying has the potential to just be a general insecticide and kill just um, you know most species that it comes in contact with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, yeah, that that could potentially do some damage. I'm not a fan. I'll, I'll be really really honest with you. Uh, I'm not a fan of that kind of spraying. A lot of people are not fans of that spraying because of the collateral damage. Uh, and it it from it, everything I've read, the the help it does is minimal, and the harm it does not to humans generally. Although in some cases we don't know. Uh, but generally, to hu- not to humans, but to insect populations and especially pollinator populations, it can be very harmful. So, um, that personally, I'm I'm not a fan of that. Let's get on to uh, some of the other uh, 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 butterflies that you guys are watching in Illinois, because the monarch is not the only butterfly out there. What are you seeing, Doug? Well, at at this time of year, um, there's not the species diversity that there will be in, say, late June or early July, mm-hmm. but there are still some really cool butterflies that you can see right now. Uh, probably the most beautiful of these is the buckeye, and uh, it's it's kind of a medium-sized butterfly, and it's brown with bright red bars and big blue eye spots on it. Um, it's I, I think it's one of North America's most beautiful butterflies. And uh, we're seeing quite a, uh, quite a number of them at this time of year. One of the places that you can often find them is on um, gravel trails running through parks and forest preserves. Wow, I've never seen one. They're, uh, they've actually become more common uh, here in uh, northern Illinois than they were when I first moved here in the late 1970s. And this may be a... a uh, Climate change indicator. Mm. They're, they're more southerly species. They don't winter up here at all. They'll kind of, as the weather gets really harsh, they'll die back down to the Gulf Coast. And then they breed their way further north every year. Well, if in a warming climate, if they're not going to die back as far south, that means that beginning of next spring, they've got less far to come to get up here and so that they do it in greater numbers and more regularly than they once did. So uh, sometimes it works in our our favor, but there are the consequences of that that we might not know about as well. Well, you you, you win on that end of things, but then you lose on the other end of things. And there are uh, a number of um, um, species of butterflies that were on the southern end of their range that are retreating and have become quite rare or even vanished from the region. Such as? A great example of that would be the Carner Blue, which is a federally endangered species. Uh, It used to be found in northwest Indiana, um, Mm -hmm. in part in the dunes, but in in part in some of the other um, dune and swale preserves over there. And um, it was declining for a number of years, despite a lot of uh, uh, interventive efforts. And finally, in that really uh, bizarre uh, early spring and drought year, uh, that we had in 2012, it seems to have blinked out of Indiana altogether. Really? Yeah, that I remember you or somebody writing about that. That the 2012 year was such an interesting year because it was one of those times, as you said, uh, there was a drought and it and it caused certain species to to take hits, some of which have not rebounded. Yeah, it's like a transition year. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, although I want to say with the Carner Blue, uh, lovely plumage. It's pining for the fjords. Uh, so, uh, all right, but so we, we've got the buckeye, and we had a, a request for um, uh, a photo of the buckeye when available. 
for our face our face so our Facebook folks are engaging yeah. with us a and lot I, right and now. And actually our friend Kelly Baumley was just commenting yesterday that she Kylie. hadn't Kylie hadn't was commenting she hadn't seen one yet over in Ohio. So Ah. Uh so what uh what have you got going uh at the, the, the Peggy Notabart? Uh, coming up uh, as we uh, head into the uh, autumn, I know that they uh, they have you always doing stuff. I mean, at some point, the butterfly obs- uh, 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 observing uh, has to stop. Uh, and when that happens, what do you do? Well, we're we're, do, we're, um, we're doing. I, I do things like data analysis, and I write grants and all kinds of you know the, the, <laughs> the less glamorous and more boring parts of what I do. Would you write one for the show, please, <laughs> while you're at yeah, it? Can we talk to you? <laughs> But um, uh, we've, got, we've got a wonderful new um, exhibit coming up called Backyard Adventures, and it's about the critters you can find in your own backyard, and uh, that's that's opening for us very soon. Cool. And um, we're also um, we're also working with um, breeding um, uh, locally rare butterflies in the laboratory. This year, we're working with a really beautiful butterfly called. The Baltimore Checker Spot. Yes, you've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. and we've got um, we've got a whole bunch of uh, caterpillars uh, in the lab at the moment, and they are just going into their cages for the winter right now. We'll be um, releasing them into the field next spring. And that's always fun too. You got you always have something to look forward to. The spring comes, you go, oh, we're going to get to release these butterflies. How cool! And then yeah. you and then you come back to to monitor to see if they've adapted. To their new homes, right? That that's correct, and and um, that that is a really critical part of this sort of butterfly restoration that often gets overlooked. That um, uh, it's wonderful to breed them in the laboratory. It's wonderful to do, and it feels really good to do a field release of them. But you got to do the follow up and see are they actually taking? All right, I have a request, Doug. Will you take me with you on one of your butterfly releases? And, and Peggy's waving her hand. She wants to go too. She wants to be. Could, could could we do that sometime, or would we just get in the way? No, absolutely. You can come. It'd be a lot of fun to have you guys. I think it would be terrific. We might even. Who knows? We might even Facebook it live as we're doing. Of course, that would scare all the butterflies. We'd need releases from the butterflies. We need releases from the butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. All right. All right. Uh, Doug Taran, thank you so much. Uh, the state of the monarch is right now not bad, huh? That, that's a, a good way of putting it. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. It could be better. Always could be better, but I'm glad to hear that. Thank you so much. Doug, we'll be talking to you soon, uh, and uh, I'm going to call you about that field trip, okay? Sounds good. Always great to be here. All right. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're in the home stretch. Stick around. Are you ready to make a positive change in the world around you? One that is easy and creates beauty? Make the switch to native plants, natural communities' native plants. Enjoy the elegance of nature, the birds, the pollinators, and yes, even monarch butterflies without the excessive maintenance and without pesticides. Natives create food for our pollinators and birds, offset climate change, cleanse water, reduce floodwaters, and they look great. Natural Communities has more than 200 species of affordable woodland, wetland, and prairie plants, as well as shrubs, trees, and seeds native to the Midwest. And now is the time to get those plants established in your yard for a head start next year. Go to naturalcommunities.net. And if you use the magic word NOVAK, N-O-W-A-K, at checkout, you'll get 10% off your purchase until October 1st. 
Don't just get back to nature, create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. Chicagoans use your blue carts to recycle. Bottles, flattened boxes, jugs with the lids on, tin and aluminum cans, juice cartons, and mail. No plastic bags, including store bags, no greasy pizza boxes, styrofoam, disposable coffee cups, light bulbs, napkins, electronics, or shredded paper. Put your items loose in the blue cart and not in a plastic bag. Visit RecycleByCity.com Chicago and let's make Chicago beautiful and green. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Find out what's going on in Evanston. Tune in to Haggerty's Huddle every other Monday on French and Friends. Brought to you by Chicago Lee Magazine. Name the city's top magazine. Don't just read more, read better. So that's how it works. You get a show 24 hours ago. You don't know exactly <laughs> what you're going to be doing. And suddenly it uh, it all comes together and um, great guests and great information. Um, David J. Zaber uh, there online. Uh, yeah, we're going to have you on the show mm-hmm. real soon. You, got, you, you and I have to talk, dude. All right? Because one of the things he posted here, if I can find it, because... What what's going on with if yeah. where, why does this scroll where I can't find the comments on you Facebook? You need to refresh it. It's really goofy. No, but they're they they like disappear. They go down to the bottom. But I can't even access the bottom. It doesn't it doesn't say all the it doesn't allow it doesn't give me a place yeah. where I can access all the comments because. Thank you, Mr. Zuckerberg, for messing with yeah, us again. Yeah, r- really, dude. <laughs> yeah. Actually, for, he says whenever you want, he will come on. The no, show. no, no. But I wanted his other comment. And these comments just disappear. It's gone. It's gone. It's like gone. Thanks. I can find it on my phone. And hey. and Jeannie, Jeannie Davis wants to know, should we be growing more turtle head for Baltimore checker spots? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> why not? Yeah. Uh, go Set, ahead. Get out there. Get, get out there and do it. Zaber, write that comment you did uh, earlier because it disappeared, the one about the uh, spray they're doing down in uh, – in Texas, I want I want folks to to hear about that, and 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 Doug alluded to it as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, write that again, uh, so that uh, yeah, and, and and that product actually has been outlawed in Europe. Right, we're using a product in Texas to kill mosquitoes that the Europeans won't use. And Doug Taran just posted um, a picture of a Baltimore check. Uh, I'm sorry, a Baltimore a Buckeye. Sorry, yeah, a Buckeye. Man, that's a beautiful butterfly. That's, Never seen that. That is. Well, maybe you thought it was other things as it was going by. It's a possibility because it's got the orange. Yeah, I actually and... had a few red admirals flying around this year. But now, wait, where, where did he that's... put it? Did he put it on? Ah. Uh, well, I they, all right, all right. Well, just so I you know, I posted one to the show page. But... Okay, did you? Because yeah. because Doug shared it on my personal page and not on the show page. So that. it's actually easier to put it on my personal page. 
So uh, you got something yeah. about a butterfly yeah, this, event. This will, Colleen, who was our caller, this will help you too. Um, today from 12 to 3, the Forest Preserves of Cook County are hosting their annual Migrating Monarch events, and that's at the Trailside Museum of Natural History, which is at 738 Thatcher and River Forest. It's a big annual event that they do every year. Um, it's free. They're doing monarch tagging and releasing. They've got crafts. They've got a lot of things about learning native plants that are best for monarchs and other butterflies. And Colleen, again, send us a note, but I think if you connected with the folks at Forest Preserves of Cook County, there is a lot of signage they do, and they're talking about native plants and milkweeds. Um, maybe you can go out there, too, uh, after the after the um, farmer's market. It's 12 to 3 at Trailside Museum of Natural History, 738 Thatcher in River Forest. Uh, and I want to give a, a shout-out to uh, Kaida Mohammed uh, with the South Shore Farmer's Market. Um, summer is winding down, so is the harvest season. She says there's only four more weeks left before the farmer's market comes to an end. Uh, and uh, I want to make sure, let's see if I've got the, they've got all kinds of stuff. It's uh, every Sunday at 79th and South, Rain, uh, South Shore Drive at Rainbow Park. 12 to 5, so at noon today, you can go to the South Shore Market, and they got all kinds of goodies. And apparently, you know, we talked about this last year, and they had been having issues mm-hmm. getting people. But sounds like it's it's rebounded and yeah. that they're doing very well. Um, either that or uh, Kaida is just really good at uh, at, at hyping it. Uh, either, well, let's hope they're doing better. I'm, I'm thinking they're doing better. Yeah. Uh, and they accept Link. Um WIC double value coupons for Link customers, senior citizen coupon, and they she writes sweet corn and uh, broccoli crowns and uh, green tomatoes and organic green peppers and cantaloupe. I've got cantaloupe growing in my. You're so excited about that cantaloupe. I am so excited (laughs) about that cantaloupe. I have to tell you, the cantaloupe we just cut up and ate, and I've never grown a cantaloupe. And Facebook lived. Uh, Facebook Live as I was cutting it open. Um, it's the best cantaloupe I've ever eaten in my life, and it's perfect. And that's the other thing. It's, it, we've we've had two of them now that were just perfect. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not like I have dozens and dozens because I wouldn't know what to do with them anyway. There's no way you could – I guess you preserve them and, and stuff, but I want it fresh. I want to mm-hmm. eat it now. I'm probably going to harvest another one today. Um, and we'll probably get yeah. like two or three more out I of that. I just harvested one – my second one Friday – I've got another one probably in the next day or two. If Casey Tomato is listening, yes, it slipped off the vine appropriately. No, Casey. and okay, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to address this to Casey Tomato. So I do this, this, this. I have the most perfect cantaloupe, and Casey's like busting me. He's busting my chops because I didn't let it fall off the vine. Well, you, it looks like you cut it off the vine. Well, maybe that's not the right way to do it. You know, I don't care. In my backyard. <laughs> I got to get to it before the rats do, all right, and chew through it. And I got the cages around it. So if it's ripe, I'm cutting it, okay? Dude, that's what I'm doing with my cantaloupe. Can you tell I'm a little little testy about that? A little agitated there? A little, a little agitated. I, maybe I've had too much coffee this morning. <laughs> but uh, it still was perfect, and the other's going to be perfect. So, uh, you know, if you got perfect cantaloupe, I, I must be doing something right. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I found out it's called Sarah's Choice. It is a hybrid. I, I got it at the Logan Square Farmers Market early in the season. Um, didn't know what Sarah's Choice was. It was the they were the only cantaloupe plants there. I was trying to get something in the ground. I hadn't had time to do the seed. I grabbed the. They were like the last two. I put them in, and they perform remarkably and just wonderful. And one of the things about Sarah's Choice, I found out, 
You know, and all the people who are into heirlooms, uh, I apologize. I had no idea. I was just grabbing whatever plants were there, mm-hmm. and I put them in the ground, and it worked. And um, But their uh, verticillium wilt, no, fusarium wilt resistant and hmm. uh, powdery mildew resistant, and they've done great. And they look like fairly large fruits on there, too. Yeah, they're, they're this big. So they're like you folks watching on AM radio. They're like that big. Uh, so there you go. And I'm happy with it. And we're still harvesting stuff. And you're still harvesting tomatoes. And we've got like a, crazy. Most of mine have dried up. And we're, we're coming to the conclusion that we didn't water them the way we should have. <laughs> so I've, next year, um, I don't think it, it might not have been a vascular problem. I don't know. Although we did get the droopiness, but. I don't know. Yeah, not, none of mine actually died. The green zebra just kind of sitting there doing nothing. The green zebras were the ones that died first in my yard, okay? And we not, have not had that issue in the past. Yeah. The Wisconsin 55 is yellow, but it's still producing, so hey, yeah. go figure. All right. So uh, I guess that's 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 pretty close to... Uh, yeah, well, to... and then next Sunday, we've got Science Sunday, the Science Desk. Oh, that's right. Next Sunday is Michelle Hoffman comes in and does the Science Desk for us. Uh, and I have no idea what she's going to talk about because she hasn't. Uh, but met- it's going to be good. It always is. <laughs> it always is. If you say so. Okay. Michelle here in studio, always. Uh, and some advice to folks: um, do not eat saladago uh, unless you have like some honey to put on it or or something like that. Or you've steeped it properly. Uh, I don't know. I, I asked Bill Turk to tell us who's going to be on playtime with Sid and Bill at one. Uh, he didn't send us anything today. I hope he's we listening. We have a bunch of uh, background actors coming in and uh, how to publish your own writing work. Well, there you go. I See, we just talked to Brandon. We don't, you know, tell Bill not to come in that you're going to host the show, that you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll do it from they right there. let me talk in small bits here. Uh, like our show. No, no I'm going to, okay, take over, dude. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, as I said before, Richie Z's Chicago History and Automotive Heaven at 12 p.m., today follow uh right after dr bob martin who's next i want to thank everybody who was on the show today including uh, lisa rose of the uh, midwest medicinal plants um celeste pepitone neha uh from uh, uh mighty earth mighty earth and green i was Corps. looking for it green yeah. we never did get to enbridge uh, line five doug Terran, always great to have him ariana and Brandon. So uh, until next week, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.